I did go to the movies again. Did you? Yeah. So how to mansion. Oh, okay. We'll talk about it. Okay. Dance, monkey, dance. Welcome to this week's episode of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. How you doing, John? I'm doing just well. How are you? I'm okay. How's things in, well, I was going to say Florida, but now it's turning strictly into hell. Yeah, it's it's pretty disgusting outside. Florida now has the hottest uh, ocean temperature in history. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and like literal like plagues are happening in Florida. I read yeah. it, I read this week that leprosy is back in a big way in Florida, which I didn't realize was still a thing. And apparently there's a Fort Lauderdale community that's being overrun by rabbits. <laughs> they deserve it. Well, so yeah, like Florida is literally turning into hell. Yeah. Well, once it starts raining frogs, we'll know what to be in store for. <laughs> Time to move the fuck out of there. Yeah, well, don't think I haven't thought of it. <laughs> it's it's just getting bad now that, you know, we're supposed to teach kids that the black people benefited from being slaves. Oh, yeah. You know, being whipped every day. That, that was good for them. Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know if that is I don't know. is. I mean, that's egregious on its own. But like, I feel like the Florida government is just seeing how ridiculous they can make the state. Um, because um, they're they're definitely wanting a mass shooting at Disney. Because I don't know if you read the thing, but oh. like. They're getting rid of a $8 million allotment for security at Disney. For uh, off-duty police officers. For off-duty overtime. police officers, yep. So, yep. Uh, you know, they're just asking for it. They're just, they're, they want something really bad to happen so that they can then look at it and go, see, we told you. Right. But you're the cause of it. Like, that just doesn't seem to settle into anybody's brains. You know, anything that they can do to piss off Disney. And it's just like, come right. on, guys. So, yeah, what a fucked up place to live. Yeah. You're smack dab in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happiest place on earth where now people are coming to commit suicide. Yep. Two suicides in the past week at Disney. Oh, I only heard about one. Uh, the one at the Contemporary? The one who fell? Uh, or yes. jumped? Yes, that was... There was also a gunshot at Old Key West. Really? Yep. Interesting. Wow. Scary. Yep. Jesus. Now, do the one that fell at the contemporary, do they think that was on purpose or they were pushed or? Well, uh, they think that's a suicide too. Do they? Okay. Mm hmm. Damn. He was a 39-year-old from Wisconsin, and blunt force trauma was the cause of death or hitting the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's not the fall that kills you. It's the stop at the bottom. Exactly. 
Exactly. And they still insist that he he uh, he fell. He didn't jump. So, hmm. okay. you know, Disney will try to keep it under the carpet. <laughs> Happiest place on earth. And here's where the guy died. And here's where the other guy died. <laughs> we should we should buy a bus and start doing the the official Disney murder tour. We're, yes, we're like we can point out where all those people died. There was one here, mm-hmm. and one here, and one here. Yep. <laughs> I used to do that when I when I have people come down and go to Disney Springs <laughs> because one night when I was working, uh, some guy speeding on his motorcycle plowed into the fountain in front of the movie theater. And you can see where his bike hit the one side, and you can see the crack on the other side where his head hit when he landed. Wow. It's like, see, that's where the guy died. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I mean, it's not funny that he died, but. Right. You know. Anyway. So what's going on? What have you been up to? Uh... Nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I ventured out to the movies again this week. You did. Yeah, this this came close to being another reason to stop going to the movies. Ooh, oh. There were two people sitting on the end of my row, and they're uh, they didn't silence their phone, so every time they got a text or whatever, it was going off. And I was like really tempted to say something to him, but I didn't. Oh. I just sat there and took it. Oh. <clears throat> but I went to see the haunted mansion. Okay. I've I heard, liked it. I've heard mixed things, so I'm curious to hear what your thing is. I liked it. There's a lot of deep cuts for fans of the attraction. Okay. But it's still at heart very much a family movie. Okay. So whereas the the special effects on the ghosts are more intense and a little more grisly, um, it's still a family movie. There's a lot of comedy. Danny DeVito's really funny. Okay. Uh, a decent cast. Uh, Mary Lou Henner is in it in the beginning. Oh, wow. And damn she looks good for being 95 years old is she that old no oh okay <laughs> uh no and uh Winona Ryder is is in it in an uncredited role really yeah okay that's interesting yeah I mean it's entertaining it's it's pretty to look at design wise but it ends with a big musical production number oh really yeah because after they they defeat the bad ghost Jared Leto's character are you gonna see it Uh, yeah but I don't care go ahead okay um the ghosts are all set free but they don't know anything else other than being in that house so they all decide to stay (laughs) so she and her kid are are living with all the ghosts but the ghosts are now nice and there's a big dance at the end (laughs) so Uh, yeah okay i i was looking for something a little more intense yeah they tried some jump scares that I didn't think worked really well. Um, but overall, the, the the effects are really good. And how is... Um... I mean, if you like... Go ahead. I mean, if you like The Haunted Mansion, then it's worth watching. Do you need to see it in the big theater? Mm, probably not. Okay. 
How was who? Um, how was how was Jamie Lee Curtis? Um, she was good. Her accent kept disappearing. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like it would only show up like at the end of a sentence, <laughs> which was kind of weird. And then she'd speak, you know, uh, regular English without the inflection of an accent, which is kind of weird. Well, the the ride doesn't have an accent, does it? No. Okay. No, not at all. Because I was going to say, um, who played who played her in the um, Eddie Murphy one? Jennifer Tilly. Yes. I mean, she didn't. She doesn't do accents, so like that. There was no. An she just does that one one gag. She does. <laughs> I'm going to talk like like a little Cupid doll and be all weirdly sexual. <laughs> yeah, she was hot in her prime. It all works. Well, before Chucky. Yeah. Well. Um, all right. So your rating out of like 10? Uh, for me, a solid eight. Okay. Well, that's better. Than I, I wonder if it would. I wonder if it would do better if they released it. Well, I mean, it kind of is the end of the summer, but around Halloween time, because I don't think it will last until Halloween time at the at the rate it's going. No, it should have been like second or third week of September. Yeah. Yep. To give it to give it the initial push, and then everybody be like, "Oh, it's Halloween. There's a Halloween movie in." in the theater and then they could have gone to see that since there won't be anything else mm-hmm. going on no no it's going to be a very dead uh, fall yep winter <laughs> spring mm-hmm. um, yes yeah I've always been perplexed about like Halloween type films that get released at odd times of the year and I know Disney was wanting like a summer movie thing, but still, right. like eh, it just doesn't work. It's like when they release horror Halloween films in like February. It's like, why? Right. Right. You know, there, there were all those set photos from Beetlejuice 2 where it's supposed to be Halloween. And I bet you they won't release that at Halloween. Right. I don't know. It's a it's a weird fickle thing when they start scheduling that stuff. And how is uh Jared Leto? Uh unrecognizable. Oh, that's probably a good thing. I don't he was it was all CG. I don't know if they they did the uh, Lupita Nyong'o thing when she played Ma- Maz oh, in Force Awakens. The, the motion capture Where it was thing? just the face. Yeah. Yeah. Because there really wasn't a lot of reason for him to be on set. Okay. That's like, oh, this is all CG. <laughs> although, although... It, Part of the story is that he was a a a contemporary of Master Gracie, who has you know the haunted mansion, right. and he he was uh, a kid who was um, who worked his way up from nothing, and what he ended up doing was holding these big parties, inviting all of the people from his past who didn't support him and kill them. Okay. So there are like a couple of paintings that look like Jared Leto. <laughs> and the voice is is totally synthesized. So interesting. Yeah, it was it was interesting. That they would even like 
have a like big name actor for that then. Right. Like give somebody else a chance for Christ's sakes. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. This will be his another Academy Award for him. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I also watched Asteroid City. Oh, did you? Boy, is that a bizarre movie. I'm telling you, it's it's wacky for a Wes Anderson film. Yes. Very, very odd. And it, I didn't really feel like it resolved anything at the end. No, it's just kind of a story. It's just something that kind of was stuck yeah. in his head. Yeah. But yeah, I mean the production design was great, and, and it's it's typical Wes Anderson, like, like yeah, you know they do a lot of practical miniatures and like everything has his aesthetic to it, which is great. Like, you know, it's it's very different than what you see in a normal Hollywood film. Um, mm-hmm. but like, there's that weird thing where what you're watching is actually a play. Yes. And they keep cutting back With and forth. With different actors. Yeah. And they keep cutting back yeah. and forth to like what's going on in the movie and then like the play on on the stage and you're uh, like I was like oh this this is really wacky. And then like there's some mm-hmm. animated stuff in there for the alien who is actually yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a shot there's a shot I saw I where they go backstage and he's sitting oh, there and, in the costume. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. So yeah, it was very weird. I mean, I I I wonder how they greenlit that. Because it it could have been something in the vein of Oppenheimer. Yeah. Because of where they were out in the desert, a bombs going off and stuff. Right. But I'm, they spent an awful lot of money for something that's not going to do that well, I think. Well, I also don't think, um, I also don't think Wes Anderson has big budgets. Yeah. Um, I think I think the appeal of him um is that he makes it's a twenty five million dollar movie, which is not a lot for movies today. Um I think I think a lot of those people work with him because of who he is and he's always right. using the same people. And I think that they understand that you're not you're not starring in a Wes Anderson film for the paycheck. I think, you know, they're doing it because it's a Wes Anderson film. And so you get, you get people like Scarlett Johansson who would be commanding a $20 million payday in any other film. About $4,000 a week for eight weeks. Yeah. And like she does full frontal nudity in this and like, Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's, it's not like a career making film. This is something that she wants to do because she wants to work with Wes Anderson. Right. So, you know, um, but like there's, there's weird cameos in this too. Like there's a Margot Robbie cameo. Um, there is a, um, What's his name? Um, the guy who plays the mechanic. Why am I? Uh, oh, um, Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon's Matt in Dillon. this. Like, like there's some people where you're like, wow, I haven't seen those people in a while. Or like, that's interesting that they're they're cameoing in this. Um, right. But yeah, it's 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 a little out there for even a Wes Anderson mm-hmm. film. 
Yeah, it was it was very bizarre. I mean, I mean, I love the miniatures and the way the film looks. Yeah. But that wouldn't make me want to go see another Wes Anderson film. Okay. So it looks like 25 million is his sweet spot because both the Grand Budapest Hotel and the French Dispatch both had $25 million budgets. So my guess is that, you know, I, I think, I think it's the way that Kevin Smith used to be, you know, they'd give him $5 million and he'd produce a movie that made 12 million, $12 million and it was successful. And I think he's the same way. I think they give him a set amount and he gets all these A-list actors to be in it and makes their money back. So as of July 28th, Asteroid City has grossed 27.5 million dollars in the United States and Canada and 18 million dollars in other territories for 46.5 million. So he's he's made his money back. Well, good for him. Yeah. And so he'll get to do another one because he makes their money back and plus a little extra. So, yeah. Speaking well, of I guess Oppen- that's good. Speaking of Oppenheimer, I sat through that this week. Oh, why? Because I was curious. Oh, I like, is it as depressing as I think it'll be? I like Killian Murphy. Um, okay. This is one of the odder Chris Nolan films. Um, okay. There is an entire section that's intercut through the movie that's in black and white. Okay. That isn't. So there's like two parallel storylines that are happening here where they're telling the story of Oppenheimer and the creation of the atom bomb. And then there's another parallel storyline that is, Oppenheimer being investigated by Congress for being a communist and they're they're intercut concurrently and the communist stuff is all in black and white and so you go from you know part of the story in color to now you're back into black and white and you're back into a hearing Um, there's a gratuitous nudity scene with Florence Pugh that was like totally unnecessary Mm. Um, and like I sat there and I was like oh that's what why are we doing this like right and it's not it's not even the one so there was a there was a report that there's a scene where she's sitting nude on a couch and talking to Oppenheimer and during that in a lot of places around the world they digitally put a black dress on her um and so like i guess to to keep it but like there's there's a scene in the movie that's even more um in your face than that and i was like then they must be cutting this part out um but i mean it's a it's a good movie i think i don't think chris nolan makes bad movies I think he makes okay. confusing movies at times. I think between Inception and the end of um, Interstellar, like there's a lot of things that you could look at and be like, well, he doesn't make a whole lot of sense and stuff. Um, but at least it wasn't like Tenant, where he purposely mixed the voices so that they were muffled and so that you couldn't really understand right. what they were saying. Right. This was at least clear and like, you know, and it's got it's got really good actors in it. It's got Robert Downey Jr. and Matt Damon and Florence Damon. Pugh and Emily Blunt's in it. And like all these people are like really good actors. So it's not like it faulted on that. Um, and the explosion was kind of cool. I mean, I know that there's all this stuff out there that was like, oh, they did it for real or as real as they could. And then watching it, it was like, okay, so it kind of looks like a nuclear explosion. 
Like right. Oh, okay. But it's long. It's it's three hours. So if you're gonna go, long. be prepared. Or if you're gonna watch okay. it in I'm another not... way, be prepared. Okay. But we also this week got two episodes of Star Trek. Did you watch both? We did. I did. Okay. So the first one is the crossover episode with Lower Decks, which Mm -hmm. I know that I said that the one where Spock becomes human was one of my all-time favorite Star Trek episodes. Uh Uh-huh. But that has been knocked out by the crossover episode. Okay. They... The amazing stuff that they did in this with bringing... They start, it starts off animated. They then yep. wind up in the real world. They animate the beginning of Strange New Worlds, their credit sequence. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you get the actors who do the voiceover or the, the voice roles in Lower Decks as their actual selves. Um, yes. Playing, playing their characters, like right down to there's a scene where um, Boimler wakes up in sick bay and they show the bottom of his shoes and they right. are exactly like the bottoms of the shoes in the cartoon. Like they went full mm-hmm. out for this. Um, and the way that everybody interacted and like Jack Quaid is like all over the place. He was also an Oppenheimer. Like he's got a, he's got a oh, really? role in that as well. Yeah. Okay. And so like he's all over the place between like the boys and lower decks and this and um he gets to do the Boimler scream and like bring all mm-hmm. that stuff to life and like um I don't know if it was in the ready room or if it was in another video that Paramount had released but um uh the 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 one the the woman that plays Mariner, she was saying right. that like she had to go and watch Lower Decks, and I think Jack Quaid said this as well, because th- when they're recording the voices, they're not really thinking about how the character moves, and so they had to go back and watch it for the when they were the live action version, so that they knew how to move as a character. Right. And so like like um Jack Quaid was saying like there's a whole bunch of times when like he's doing a bunch of arm flails and stuff that he wouldn't be doing if he was just doing the voice. Um he does mm-hmm. he does the power walk that Boimler always does at one point. Yep. Like and he just worked it all in. Like apparently even like um and Jonathan Frakes had directed this one. And there's a scene when he goes to sit on the saddle and Boimler says Riker as he puts the his leg over because of the quote unquote Riker maneuver when Riker sits down. Right. And so like it was a much more relaxed atmosphere than I guess a normal Star Trek set is because of these two characters. But I really liked it. I really thought that they were able to mix both styles because they are kind of like different Star Trek style. Oh, yeah. And so, definitely. So yeah, being able was, to mix that was fucking amazing. Yeah, it was very well done. Very well done. And then the the other one is a complete 180 from that episode from the crossover and probably one of yes. the darkest saddest um Star Trek episodes they've ever done. We mm-hmm. finally get resolution of um, Umbanga and Chapel's like super serum from episode mm-hmm. one of the season. You find out that they were in the Klingon War, and Umbanga is actually like um he's got the most covert kills of anybody in the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though he's a doctor and he wants to help people now, and like um they show fairly realistic like triage of of people in war of like 
being in a situation where they don't have what they need. So like chapel is actually like massaging a dude's heart until he comes back to life. Yes. Um, there's some real graphic, like somebody gets their throat cut at the end of the episode. And like, he's laying there in the transporter pad and like, it's probably one of the most graphic things they've ever shown on, on star Trek. Right. But, But yeah, it's, Star Trek Strange New Worlds has this amazing way of flopping genres every episode. And one is a comedy and then one is more of a, you know, is the crossover. And then you're going to do a musical episode. Then you get this, which is real dark and, and brooding. And they're able to keep the tone of Star Trek through it all. And... I don't know. It's super well done. Um, in especially when you look at recent Trek and things like discovery and the first couple of seasons of Picard, they're not as, you know, they're, they've all got a singular quest and we're going to go from one to the other. And like, this is just every episode is unique. Every episode is different. And every episode has a tone that's unlike most Star Trek. And the only thing that it really compares to, especially this episode, I think is Deep Space Nine. I think this was more of a Deep Space Nine type episode because you get things um, in Deep Space Nine, like when Nog was in the battle and he got his leg blown off. And then like they took a secondary character like Nog and built an entire story arc around him about him dealing with PTSD and what it means to go to war. And this felt very similar to that. And Mm -hmm. so it's nice to see that the writers are, are breaking new ground into star Trek as well as paying homage to, to past series. So but I would really like to see the mattressy and the, the crossover series and like the time travel thing. I'd like to see them start bringing in right. other Star Trek people mm-hmm. and like crossing over with other, other shows. Yeah. I mean, they're able to do it so well. Yeah. So why not lean into that? I got to imagine if Paramount keeps, um, lower decks on the air that we'll see more crossovers between them and strange new worlds. Like maybe right. once a season or something. I think that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, and they even did an animated version of the strange new worlds cast. So. Right. I'm not sure how they animate that. If they are like models that they're animating, but since they have the models, they could go the other way too. You know, they could, they could like take Spock into uh, lower decks or something. Right. I'm sure Ethan. I'd be interesting too, to put, to, to put them into a full on comedy as opposed to, you know, a lighthearted episode. Right. Right. And, and I even love the fact that they kept all of the, the lower deck, like we know that what they're referring to, but nobody else does. Right. And so there was that one, they were, I don't remember what the context was, but it was promise me you're not going to do that. And I think it was Jack Quaid that was like on Worf's honor and they just kind of look at him. Like there's, there's all those things that they like they do in, in lower decks that they brought over. And it, I think it just worked really well. Did you catch up on Secret Invasion? Oh, Secret Invasion. Um, Yeah. I know a lot of people worked really hard on it. Mm Mm-hmm. But Marvel is missing left and right now. Like, 
I don't know how you could make it any worse of a TV show than what they did. Right. Um, it was unfulfilling and kind of painful. Um, you know, the build up to the super scroll fight. I was just like, meh. Yeah. You know, and spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it. Cause I'm going to rip this thing apart. But when fury shows up at the scroll headquarters, I was like, that's Gaia. There's, there's nothing in my head that makes me think that that's not her in disguise. Right. And lo and behold, it was because I was like, well, we know Fury's not getting killed off because they already showed the Marvel's trailer. And mm-hmm. he's in that. So whatever happens here, right. he's going to get out of. And so when Fury or Gaia gives Gravik the little vial and it Mm -hmm. starts flipping through all of these people that some of which were not at the big battle and I'm not really sure why they have their DNA Um, and they started to turn on the machine I was like we're not getting super fury like that's just not going to be a thing in the MCU and Mm -hmm. so all of a sudden it was like of course it's Gaia and then you get this Winking, like, in order to understand what power they're using, we're going to do things like when Gaia activates her Drax arm, it comes with Drax's tattoos. Yes. And when Gravik does Ebony Maw, he's got mystic rings on his hand. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I understand that that's a nod to the audience because otherwise we'd be going like, who the fuck is that supposed to be? But right. it was just corny. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a scene when Gravik kicks Gaia with a Hulk leg and his purple shorts <laughs> show up. Uh huh. And I was like, okay. so that, so that's part of his DNA. So the purple yeah. shorts are part of his DNA, it's part of the DNA. Apparently. So are the, the, tattoos and all this other stuff and I don't buy that two scrolls would instantly know how to use all of these superpowers right like how does Gaia know to put Gravik to sleep using the Mantis stuff like it just it doesn't make any sense and it was painful and we're just going to blow a hole into Gravik and that's going to be the end of that threat and it's like Okay, sure. I don't know. I I just feel like what I was promised and what we were delivered was not the same thing. It was very much not a fulfilling finale. No. Knowing that Marvel's is going to focus on the the pre. Mm-hmm. And there was some speculation that the ending of Secret Invasion will come in Loki season two. Really? I don't know if that's true. Oh. But like it it's like the writers and I read a thing today that said that there was a showrunner who initially shot everything and then he was yeah. replaced by somebody else and they reshot forty percent of the series. Okay. Um, but it's like they don't watch though. The writers of the show did not watch the other Marvel movies and TV shows because mm-hmm. the president of the United States basically says anybody not born on this planet is now an enemy. And it's right. like you do know that the Asgardians now live in Norway, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you wanted to say all scrolls, that's one thing. But they 
went out of their way to be like anybody not born on this planet is now our enemy and it's like they're going to as guardians are going to kick your ass right like and they're also like according to the the last Thor movie is like they're also like a big tourist destination right and so my million dollar question to you is how long do you think Rhodey's been a scroll? since civil war is that because of the what he's wearing yes okay yes that's what i think my so i watched a video because a lot of people were trying to figure out when he actually became a scroll if he's a, if he becomes a scroll during civil war that means rody doesn't know that tony's dead that means a scroll went on the time travel mission that means that mm-hmm. a scroll was there during the blip and all of this, the, the missions that Rhodey went on in order to find Hawkeye and all of the other stuff that we've seen so far. Right. Which pretty much fucks up all of that canon for me. Well, it does. And it's like, unlike all of these other bizarre little callbacks that come around this kind of felt like they didn't really have a plan for this until this series well probably very more or less late in this series so so one of the videos that i watched made a a decent observation every time that we see roadie up until the end of endgame which is the funeral Uh tony stark He's wearing the braces on his legs that Tony makes for him after he gets injured in Civil War. He's not wearing them when Rhodey appears in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So my guess is they're going to say that it was after Endgame. Okay. Um which makes it better for me. Like, you know, they maybe Rhodey went in for a procedure after Endgame, and you know, that's when they captured him. But to think if it goes all the way back to Civil War, it's just one of those things of like that totally destroys everything that that you know you were rooting for Rhodey to to get past. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping it's not that dumb. Yeah, I would agree. It definitely feels that dumb though. <laughs> <laughs> it was not the best Marvel series. No. It's probably at the bottom I would say I would I would say so too I think out of the nine that they've released so far this has got to sit at the very bottom mm-hmm. and I also think it should teach Marvel that six episodes is not enough to make it a, a TV show okay but I have something to counter that with <clears throat> okay have you watched the new season of Good Omens? No, I haven't. I didn't realize that that had dropped until like yesterday. Six episodes. Very well done. Very well done. But written by Neil Gaiman, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that would that's that's how that, you know that works is that like it goes. Neil Gaiman is a master storyteller. Right. And whoever's writing for Marvel isn't. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like, I, I had a lot of hope for the secret invasion TV show when it was announced. And, oh, I did too. It was supposed to be like an espionage thing, yep. and 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 looking gave, at the even the trailers, it was like 
you know, they took all of the action scenes and, and put them into the trailers so that you thought that that mm-hmm. was going to be what it all was. And it was like, nope. Right. I mean, there are some things that I hand that they handled, I thought, very well. The whole scene over the, the kitchen table where his his wife has been sent to kill him. Right. And he they both pull their guns and they both fire and then you know, that's kind of the end of it. It's like yeah. neither one had any intention of killing the other one and they're still a couple, they're still married. They go off to the space station at the end. <laughs> I mean the the finale was very tidy. Like they tried to tie up everything from the story that they had started six episodes ago in less than an hour. Yeah. In 38 minutes. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you saw the real president and roadie and the prime minister of the UK being released from whatever those things were. Right. And then the whole vigilantism thing where, you know, they, they storm the TV set and they blow a bunch of people up and, they gun down the real prime minister thinking she's still a, a, a scroll. Uh, yeah. It's like that, that was just too compressed. Yeah. It was like, I an mean, if they had two, two more, if they had two more episodes to further flesh that out and maybe blew their wad with an appearance by, you know, Anthony Mackie or somebody to help resolve things at the end. Right. Because I think it, it, you know, they killed off, um, Maria Hill right away. Mm-hmm. And they didn't leverage any of the Avengers other than flashing their name on the screen. And, you know, like you called out the, 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 the super, super scroll attack mode where they, you know, it's like, oh, I've got Groot's hand now. Oh, yep. now I've got this hand. Oh, now I've got... It's like, yeah, you... I don't know. Did they did they rush to beat the strike? Uh, no, because this has been done for a while. Right. And so I don't know if it's the fact that there were two different showrunners and the new showrunner was like, we need to ramp this up and was only given so much money. I mean, I think they said that this was a $250 million TV show for six episodes. Yeah. They, they didn't spend their money well. No. And so like you get rid of Maria Hill, which was a popular character. You get rid of Talos, who was one of the best things about Captain Marvel like you have right. Ben Mendelsohn who is a terrific actor who's willing to do this shit and you kill him off. Right. And not even like, not even in a way where you get to pay homage to the fact that this actor is not in the role anymore. Like neither of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Maria Hill gets killed and then you see her get killed again on video and they bring her body back, but it's like she was in most like she was in a ton of the the um the storyline for the first Infinity Saga. Right. And then you have Ben Mendelsohn, who's like, oh, I love this character. Like, I'm going to play this character. And then, yeah, he dies through saving the president and stuff. But like, what did that accomplish? The president doesn't like his people anymore. Right. And it just feels so dis discombobulated and like disconnected. And it's like, you know, the, and I know they can't do the secret invasion storyline from the comics because that was huge. And that was multi issue. And all of the Avengers were taken over and like, we didn't get one Avenger, like not even like, yeah, well, some of them are dead and some of them aren't, but like, 
Rhodey is technically the only Avenger that shows up and it's not even him. Right. You know, I, I don't know. It just wasn't with the other stuff that they've done on TV. This just felt like we need to fill a spot. And what can we do? Yeah, exactly. It, it felt like filler. Yeah. It felt like this should have been an epic saga with Samuel L. Jackson. And it was right. I don't get it, man. I don't know. It's it very much makes the Marvel fatigue worse. Mm -hmm. I think I think that if all of these things were amazing, I think there would be less Marvel fatigue. I think people would be more adamant to be like, well, you know, it's not the greatest, but at least like it was good. Mm -hmm. And that's not even like, we're not getting anything good. And so, so, um, Amelia Clark is now the most powerful person in the Marvel universe. Right. So why would you need any of the other Avengers if you could just call this chick up and be like, hey, global threat? Yeah, exactly. There's so much wasted potential in all this crap. Yeah. What a waste. Swing and a miss. (laughs) Did you catch the latest Righteous Gemstones? I did. That was pretty intense. (laughs) They've done really well at um, ramping shit up over this last season. Mm -hmm. I really kind of felt like there was going to be a sacrifice of one of the characters. Um, It felt... Yes. It felt and maybe maybe that's just a credit to the writing and the the way that they ramped up the tension. But I thought for sure that the kid driving the the monster truck was going to die. I thought, you know, cuz he kept he when all the other characters are escaping their kidnapping, he's right. like he's with the militia group like fucking around with them and like pissing them off and running over all their stuff. And I really for a second was like, there's going to be a thing where they get away and then they realize he's not there. And there's a sacrifice that's made, but I guess they're not doing that. I guess it's all just, we're just going to go for like a happy ending type thing, which is fine because righteous gemstones is not like a, a dramedy. It's not like you get moments of like, like, um, drama to the, like to the extent that that would have been, but I do like the fact that like they've ramped it up to, to connect all the dots. Right. Yeah, it was, I, I really liked this one. I love. I don't know if it was. I love when they're locked in the silo, and they mm-hmm. they start making fun of Jesse because his sideburns are melting. Yes, and totally a shot at Giuliani. Like yes, like total like like there was just stuff in there. It's like oh okay, I see where they were going with this. Okay, it's just uh, it, there's some Danny McBride stuff that I really don't like, but this has been fucking amazing. Hmm. And it looks like we only have two episodes left for this season. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. Why does that say, are we getting, I guess episode eight and nine are 
premiering on the same night. Oh. Which would be tonight as we record this. Right. But yeah, there's going to be two episodes. Okay. So it'll be like a two hour finale. Yeah, I guess so. That sucks. Hmm. Why does that suck? Because then it's over. It doesn't stretch it out? No. Well, all good things come to an end. I know. And that was one of the things that bothered me about this week in Star Trek that we got two two episodes. That like, right. like they robbed us of a week of of a show, even though like they were two really good episodes. And I'm re- I'm glad too that in Righteous Gemstones they didn't make the mom part of the the militia. Yes. Like there was there was really a moment there where I was like, oh, she was in on this whole thing. Which is exactly what you're supposed to think. Right. And then it turns out that she was just there because her kid called her. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, I really like her in this. It's hard to believe she was Sally on uh, Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> I know. It, like, she's completely different. Mm-hmm. Like and most of the stuff that she did back when she was doing Third Rock were was all like tongue in cheek comedy stuff, like over the top stuff. And this, while it's comedy, she gets to act a little bit more. Yeah, and I feel like it that's helped her. So I guess we'll talk about this finale next week for that. And then that's it. There's nothing else on TV. (laughs) We'll have. um, Okay. So strange new worlds. Has two more episodes. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, so the musical one and then episode 10. Um, so after August 10th, there won't be any new stuff to watch. <laughs> at least at least for me. Yeah, pretty much. That's kind of sad. Yeah. I did start watching um, on Paramount Plus. There's the um, the Jeremy Renner TV show, Mayor of Kingstown. Yeah, that I've been I've been watching through, and given the right material, he's a really good actor. I know a lot of people know him from like the MCU stuff, right? But given given the right material like i'm watching him going like boy can act like it's not all just like superhero shit right now is this filmed after the snowplow accident before before season season two came out just as the snowplow thing happened Uh, so he he had been done with it okay but it's part of um, there's a there's a guy named Taylor Sheridan who used to be an actor. Um, he was on he was on the first season of um, Sons of Anarchy. He played the sheriff, um, and he left Sons of Anarchy because he wanted to start writing his own TV series. And so Mayor of Kingstown, um, Tulsa King, uh, Yellowstone, 1883, 1923, they're all his stuff. He's created all of them. And so, like, I guess he's gone to Paramount and has this overall deal with them where 
they just keep producing all of this stuff that the new show that just premiered on there, that's called special special ops lioness. That's got yes. Zoe Saldana and, um, you Nicole know, Kidman. Nicole Kidman. That's another one of his shows too. Oh, and okay. So like, he is just like the king of Paramount plus and all of these shows, apparently like my, my aunt and uncle and my dad watch all of the Yellowstone ones. <laughs> And I'm not a huge like redneck fan, so I haven't right. like gotten around to watching those yet. But they're all like okay. gushing over those, and like the ones that I've watched that are outside of that are really good. So he's he's kind of a dude to watch. Yeah. Well, it's nice. Yeah. Have you watched 1982, The Greatest Geek Year Ever? No, what is that on? Uh, it's on either Fox or CW or one of those. I didn't realize it was a series because I watched the first episode. And it's called The Summer of Spielberg. Okay. So I thought, oh, that's kind of it. This is wrapping up the movies of 1982. But apparently there's four episodes. And it's it's really fun to watch. Okay. Probably because I lived through it and you were, what, just born? No, I was, I was eight in 82. Okay. Yeah, I would have been eight. Oh, and it's it's like interviews with like the actual people from then. Yes. Okay. Yes. Shatner and Sean Young and Ron Howard and Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. Adrian Barbeau. Mark Singer. Well, now I got to watch it. <laughs> he was the Beastmaster. That's right. So... All I got to do is figure out where it shows now. <laughs> uh, does it tell me? CW. CW. Okay. Yep. So that must be on the CW app then. I would think. Okay. Is this like their summer show? Like one of those, one of those things that they're putting on TV while all their scripted stuff is yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they were CW or Fox, but there were also, there was a, a series with the Weasley twins traveling oh, really? the world and making friends. Yes. <laughs> they got dumped after two episodes. Oh, Jesus. And then there was a new one with Zac Efron kind of traveling the world. And that was canned after two episodes. This was on CW? I think it's CW. <laughs> They're just not having good luck, are they? No. Not at all. Son of a critch? Yeah, that's pretty painful. That, why does that look like a young Sheldon ripoff? Um, it sort of is. <laughs> it sort of is. Okay. He's an obnoxious little kid who knows more than everybody else, and he gets the crap beat out of him. Okay. Interesting. Oh, I'll have to disable my ad blocker to watch the 1982 TV series. Oh, there you go. You fuckers. There's also a new show on one of those channels called Family Law, starring Jewel State from Firefly. Okay. And it's kind of a Boston Legal-esque show. Okay. Um, it's amusing Victor Garber plays like the head of the law firm 
Oh, it's been on since 2021. In Canada. In Ca- oh, okay. I was going to say, so I don't I know what just... Stack TV is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Canadian show. Okay. And then there's another, I think it's Canadian as well, called Moonshine, which is, I, I watched like two episodes. That was enough. <laughs> and it stars nobody you would have ever heard of. Oh, so they okay. must all be Canadian actors. Oh, except for Jonathan Silverman. Oh, I mean, A-list. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's in eight of the ten episodes. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. It it looked like it was going to be interesting. The you know the family is brought together for the reading of a will. And the one daughter who's kind of the black sheep because she actually moved away from this vacation home that the family runs as a B&B kind of rental thing, um, gets named the sole heir. Oh. So she decides <laughs> she's going to stay and help help run it. And there's supposed to be all these secrets going on. And uh, yeah, it's it's OK. That's interesting. Yeah. But there's definitely not a lot on TV anymore. No, we're kind of coming up to the end. Mm-hmm. It's the end of TV as we know it. It is. Although now it's I have sad. some stuff to That's watch. Very... I, now that I know that Good Omens is out. Yep. And it was a it was a really easy binge. Okay. But yeah, there's some really funny stuff in it. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And then I'll have to watch the 1982 TV show. Yeah. All right. You got anything else for this week? No. Kind of running dry. (laughs) Oh, I guess the episodes are going to get shorter and shorter as the strike goes on. (laughs) Or we're going to have to be more creative. (laughs) Have you heard the show? Maybe we'll have to start watching. Maybe we'll have to start watching like really random things. Well, we'll have to we'll have to like coordinate so that like we're both watching whatever at the same time. Right. All right. <clears throat> well, I guess that's upcoming. Hopefully the strike will go away and we can get back to producing shit. Yeah. But we can hope. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email at info at dancemonkeypodcast.com. You can follow us on YouTube and Facebook. Let us know you're listening. So until next week, this is Chris. This is John. Have a good week. Are y'all really just sitting in here talking about church work? We have been kidnapped, you fucking bitches.